When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is an Ian special report. Now reporting. The very handsome Jewish man, Peter Rosenberg. Ian's at six. When the clock struck six, it meant one thing. Can I just say one thing, Don? Sure. Um, you're not done. It stands uh but it's Don. not. Now, from the ESPN New York News Desk, here's Rosenbaum or whatever that guy's name is. One of your show is number one. Hey everyone, welcome. Hello. To ENN. On Tiwi. Ray Row. Brought to you by the Professional Fighters League. And Don, also welcome back. I, I was, I'm, just, I'm just learning now that you actually went to a call after I left. Yeah, I didn't know you actually physically got I up. I thought we and left were going from, to break. Wait, no, we were, but I had a bounce back call <laughs> and you were already gone. But it's quite all right. Well, what? Um, I missed it, unfortunately. Let's go. Uh, let's say good evening to Don. I do not condone underage drinking, but I did what I did. Let's say good evening to Don again. I'm buying clothes from Caldor. <laughs> that could be something. <laughs> now let's see. Is, are we on a third consecutive day without a Peter drop? Let's nope. let's listen. Let's listen. Don will respond to Tristan. Wow, that's three straight days, Peter. That's all you got, Joe Hoyne. I'm not even sure if there was one from Monday, but I, I, that I've been paying attention. No, the, Anthony doesn't this, like my he doesn't like my contribution on the show. Well, no, let's just be just, honest. So I, I don't know how you take it. Do you take it no? as you're 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 in a perfect spot, like you haven't made any mistakes, or is Anthony saying that you really have contributed very little over the last three days? I refuse I to it. believe the latter. Well, I'll say this: um, I think when we when we do this with the, when the three of you are here, Michael has considerably less drops than than other people too. I think the driver has less chance to prepare oh. themselves to do drops what and not say that they're correct answer. Yeah, very yeah. safe. How about that, huh? Well, because That's it's politically correct in a sense that, you know, you can't really argue it. It sounds like it makes sense, but It sounds like it makes sense. Uh I I think it's I think it's hooey. <laughs> I mean, it's See, really um e- even that gets even that could be a drop. I think it's hooey alone. I mean, uh, but you know what? But, I I think Peter was the MVP Tuesday. Um but but if I was the MVP Tuesday, it wasn't for for being for having things happen that were particularly memorable. It's a privilege to be on this show. Don't ruin it. And also, was I the MVP <laughs> Tuesday? Because I did a solid job, sure. But at the end of the show, let's not forget, Don. When it started raining, when it started raining, and you started losing your mind, that's when the show went to the next level. Yeah, and that was not that was not a TV vehicle. But I was thinking about it. I would yes have been able to capture that i, I it's raining dear god but that still was... you're the mvp for for videoing it and putting it up on social media so people were able to see it thank you i, I tried my best also I, I know i filmed it but also it was on my story but um our promotions department filmed it as well okay you know it was a great they did a great job on they, they were the true mvps on Tuesday. that's right um all right new york mets Five-game set with the Atlanta Braves. Here's Buck Showalter on the 
Mets playing 21 games in 20 days. We approach trying to get to the airport so we can get home. <laughs> and then uh, we'll take uh, the flight, and then we'll see how the traffic is going back home. See how it is coming in. Baseball gods, I'm going to make them laugh, tell them about your plans. We'll plan it as it goes. Everybody's got some of those stretches. You'll find somebody's got a tougher stretch. It's, it's August. It's, I was just looking at the weather for y'all came in in uh, Flushing. So it's 90. That's what it's supposed to be, right? They've been playing games this time of year in hot weather for a long time. The weather doesn't change for one team. It's, you go hit from 70 to 90. The only place you can do that is in your hotel room. Uh, listen, I'm not going to say I was ever you know, a, a good ball player to, to compare myself to a major league. Probably, right, but I did. But when I was in high school, we played in hot weather. The only thing that bothered me, Peter, was the sun, because sometimes you'd be on those, um, you know, the the clay infield, and it was just oh, it was just so oppressive to be just in the, in the sun, no shade. Not a night game, even if it's a hundred, I, I, I hot weather never bothered me to the point where it would affect my play. Maybe the sun and just burning your skin and all that, but you know, like it's like a hundred and three right now. So it'll be like in the nineties tonight. You know, I I don't I, I I enjoy it. I I disagree with this take of yours. Okay, well listen, everybody's different. Um, I walked outside when I went outside earlier. The idea of having to play baseball, the only sport where you wear thick, literally like thick clothing and long nylon pants. Yeah, I'm good. I, I it, it affected me. Well, would you want to be in equipment? What if you're playing a football game? Wouldn't that be worse? Basketball, running up and down the court. Outside, you know, so baseball, no, come on. You get to sit in a dugout with, with the fans blowing. You had fans in your dugout? No, I'm talking about the the, the major league players. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, sure. but I, I I don't know. I don't. The, the, the heat doesn't really bother me as long as you stay hydrated. Honestly, and I'm not, I'm not being negative to baseball players from an athletic standpoint, but what are you doing? You're standing there. I hear you. No, that part's correct. That part of how much effect could it really have on the game with how little you actually run total time during the game. That's a great argument. You're 100% right. I'm referring more to was I less excited to go out and play when it was 99 than 79? Absolutely. Well, I mean, everybody would take 79, but I'll tell you what. I'd rather rather it be 100 than 40. Well, like I'm, you're standing still. You're freezing every time you you swing the bat. Like it, it vibrates in your hand when you make contact with the ball, and it the, it hurts uh, just to to feel the line drive, and you can't get a grip on the ball. No, come on. If I had to choose any day of the week, hundred compared to forty, yeah, I'll take hundred and ten over forty. <laughs> Let's on, hear. People. We haven't talked about this much today. Jeff Passan had an, an interesting comment to us on DeGrom's health and if he's healthy just how lofty that price would be here's what Passon told us if DeGrom stays healthy and pitches how he did last night that is what the price tag is going to be it's going to be 50 million dollars a year mm-hmm. makes sense how much is Scherzer making 40 no oh, more than that right 41 43 43 so yeah wouldn't it be seven more if he pitches like he like, like like we know he's capable of pitching. But but here's the thing, and here's the question I would ask people, Mets fans, for at, to talk to us when ENN ends. I don't know how many Mets fans right now would be comfortable with that idea 
until they're until they see how the rest of the season plays out. It's a long way to go, Don, and it was great that his first start back was awesome. But the last couple of years have gotten a little scary. And, yes, they have, in Scherzer, they have an, a veteran pitcher who's managed to stay at the same level. But Scherzer's history is different than DeGrom's history. And I, even if, let's say, they did four years at $15 million a year, that would take him to being 38 years old. I, I think at the very least, Don, you basically have to get an awesome second half of the season in which you don't see him fall apart in any way. Otherwise, I, I are you disagree. better off? Are you better off taking what you have and moving Degrom and spending the money elsewhere? Well, but you don't have to worry about it because most Met fans are going to say, "Well, so what? We've got Steve Cohen. Give him fifty million dollars. It doesn't make a difference. But that shouldn't stop us from getting other players. So give him what he wants." Like I, I think a Met fan could be like the Yankee fan, like pay the man what he wants. Pay. But I, that's what money. I wonder about. Will more people say? Will more Mets fans say, "Pay him what he wants"? Or say, I'm fed up of the injuries. I think it's time to cut bait. Because we got some of that, Don, during no, this last injury for sure. I don't know if it makes any sense. Like, you know, Kershaw is pitching well today, walked off the mound. I don't know what's his situation. But, like, these guys get hurt all the time. And, like, the conversation we had with Passing yesterday, you know, as far as, like, would you give the money to Diaz or you give the money to DeGrom? Like, DeGrom's going to make more starts than – then close situations for Diaz, right? But, well, maybe, no, no, it'd be more for Diaz. But, like, so he's kind of going back and forth about that DeGrom may have more of an impact on the game as a starting pitcher than Diaz as a closer. And my retort was when Diaz comes in, more times than not, he's got a chance to win the game. I don't know what's going to happen with DeGrom when he goes to the mound. I know he's going to be lights out because that's what he consistently is, but are the Mets guaranteed to win the game, Peter, when they just flat out don't hit for him? Or he's brilliant for six and two-thirds innings and then the bullpen blows it before you get to Diaz? Like, that's that's the frustrating thing is you pay these guys the outrageous money. You're paying Cole $35 million a year. You're paying Scherzer $43 million a year because of how good they are at pitching. But yet these guys get hurt constantly. It seems more than everyday players do. And... How many times do you get to the postseason and the game gets so out of hand you don't even remember who started it? Because you know, you're tied at one going to the seventh inning, the starters are out, and it's all about your bullpen. So say you got you got a great start from Scherzer, got a straight great start from the Grom. But did you win? If I know Judge hits three home runs, my chance of winning it pretty good. DeGrom goes seven no hit innings. <laughs> You, you don't still know? could lose the game. Absolutely. Yeah, um, so that's the frustrating thing. But, yeah, $50 million is going to be the going rate, I'm sure. We teased it earlier from the caller who asked about the the fans and Gallo. Let, let's hear Michael Kay last night on Yes giving his take on Gallo. The thing that I didn't like, the story that came out today from NJ.com, he's kind of like looking as if he was the guy who was put upon the most and the, the, the fans really got to him. Let's be honest here. He has the worst 501 at-bats of any Yankee position player in their history. He had 159. They did not go out of their way to boo a guy that was actually doing a decent job. He was a failure here in New York for whatever reason, whether the pressure of having to win became a big deal, whether he 
he just got his swing out of whack because he mentally was not right while he was here. He deserved to be booed. I don't think the fans were extra special hard on him. I look at what the fans did to Giancarlo Stan when he first got here. That was unfair. I mean, the first game that he ever played here, they booed him. This guy earned the boos. Look at look at these numbers in the last 29 games. He had 085, and I feel sorry for him. I truly do. He's not a bad guy. He didn't treat anybody poorly. But the woe is me attitude, like the fans drove him out of New York. No, no, no. If you hit and you hit the 40 home runs that you were supposed to hit, they would not have booed you. If you didn't hit 159, they would not have booed you. I hear him. I hear him. I hear him too. Because so the caller asked, "What do we think of the way the fans treated Gallo and the way that Gallo and others have been treated? Does that have an impact on future players coming here?" And I said on Tuesday, and I'll reiterate, I believe it does. I personally, as a fan, do not boo teams that I root for. I'm not saying you're an immoral person if you do, but I personally think it's counter it, it's counterproductive in my opinion to boo players on your team particularly when it's not for lack of effort but just lack of good play now on Michael's side Don I I do feel Gallo's gone very hard into the woe is me on his way out the door mm-hmm. um he conducted two interviews in the days before he left where you really felt terrible reading what he said. And I don't know what his experience has been, Don, but we have no proof that he was being chased down the street, screamed no. at in well, public. I, 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 if it was just being booed in the stadium, while I wouldn't do it, I don't think that really warrants the sort of woe is me that he brought to that right. NJ.com I, interview. And I, I could be wrong about this, but my defense of, of Gallo I made an assumption that it went beyond just the booing in the in the stadium, that he was hearing it in the street. He was hearing it in social media. He might have been hearing it in different areas where it it was out of line. That would be that that would be the only thing to justify his reaction. If it was just booing, come on, give me a break, please. You're a professional athlete. You're gonna what do you expect? What do you expect the reaction to be from fans when you're when literally the worst Yankee in history? You think they're going to encourage you and say, "Yeah, give, you know, give it a shot. We're, we're with you, Joey. We're with you." But I do think that fans kind of get off on on booing players. I mean, Ben Intendi, really, he's been here five minutes. You're already like, I do think sometimes they take this kind of morbid sense of pride of running people out of town. I do think sometimes that goes a little bit too far. But I'm I'm with Michael. If it was just booing in the stadium, then Joey's then he just was not meant for New York. Just not meant for that. I'm like, listen, it's it's hard, right? I, I I get why the noise is really loud, and I of all people understand how not nice that is. Literally, just literally during a commercial, went on the uh, new Juan Epa's Life YouTube page where we're putting up our podcast every week. You should go subscribe right now. And I went to go look at how this week's episode is doing because we just started this channel. So, Don, I'm kind of like watching the channel build a little bit. You're trying to see if we're consistent. Will we see any growth? And so I went to this week's episode, I don't know, expecting to read good comments. And after a handful of personally nasty ones, it can quickly dictate your mood. So I I understand how if he ever went on social media, if he ever saw our show on in their clubhouse and heard the callers, I get it. 
But unless people are really sort of coming after you in personal, private ways, social media, callers to sports talk radio, and booze in the stadium, Don, that's all part of the job, unfortunately. And and, and, and with your situation with the podcast, it's it's subjective. Right? There's no there's no out or safe in a podcast. You put it out there, some people may like it, some people may not like it. Like there may be times where maybe you stammer aren't great, but if you if you put out a podcast and you do your best effort, then there's gonna be people that like it and people that don't. Like professional sports is the bottom line. I mean you're, right. you're batting one sixty one. I mean, there it is. You struck out, you flew out, you committed an error. These are facts. So how do you expect the fans to react to that? This is not Little League where a bunch of parents are going to just give you encouragement. This this is they paid good money. They There was a certain expectation around you and you're not living up to that expectation. So an actor or a journalist might get criticism for their work. Well, that's subjective. This is not subjective. This is win or lose out or safe. And when you're out that percentage, Peter, when you're out like when you've You've, you've picked up a hit in less than 16% of your at-bats. And, by the way, the overwhelming majority of your outs are strikeouts. How do you expect those people who are probably, you know, $300 in on that game that day, how are, you, how are they going to react? Now, if they give you death threats, if they destroy you on social media, a cab won't pick you up and give you the finger as he goes by, no, that's that's ridiculous and, and, and uncalled for. But – a, a boo in a stadium? Come on, man. You got to get thicker skin than that if you're going to be a professional athlete. Um. Okay. Let's move to a little football for a second, Don. Shall we? I think we should. Um. By the way, the Hall of Fame game's tonight. Jags Raiders. Football. Yes, football. They're playing football. Man. I. I it's so funny. Football is so by far my favorite sport, and yet the way the season opens and closes, I don't mean the Super Bowl, but the Pro Bowl, which now is no longer the close, but the week before the close, prior to a couple years ago was the close. Considering how obsessed I am with the actual season, Don, the way it opens and closes is such a letdown. Like, do you are you going to even turn the game on tonight? Well, not with Mets Braves. Like, how but- could you? But I'm sure there's a lot of people around the country that maybe their team, they're not a baseball fan or their their team stinks. There's something about it being back. It is our national passion. But come on, it's a preseason game, Raiders-Jaguars, in which Trevor Lawrence and um, Derek, Carr. Derek Carr are not going to play. So they're almost begging you not to watch. <laughs> All right, but But people will because it's football. But I do think sometimes it gets a little kind of lazy. Like, real, uh, are are you just such a sick fan that you're going to watch just because you're addicted to the sport, or do you really are you going to get enjoyment out of seeing a meaningless scrimmage with pr- basically every significant player that you know will either not play or play like two two plays or two series? I mean, come on. I do yeah. think it gets to be a bit much, and this and- is coming from a person that loves football. And when you put the Jags on the opening, a preseason Jags game, that, that's taking a knee. Let's just be real. A preseason Jags game is basically not a football. But no Trevor Lawrence? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, even with Trevor Lawrence, who wasn't running to the TV. But, yes, it, that, it certainly gives you something to follow if Lawrence is playing. But, now, here's Chad Ochocinco earlier. What's this from, Sports Center? 
Sports Illustrated, sorry, from SI, um, talking about Zach Wilson. Zach is extremely good. I had a chance to watch him at BYU, and he has an it factor. He's very Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but you watch his mechanics, his throwing motions, the way he moves. He's very Patrick Mahomes. So I always became I became a fan of his very, very early, which is why I'm so high on him week in, week out. And Zach Wilson is going to flourish. He's going to flourish in New York. It's all about Salah and whoever else is in management, getting the right pieces around him. Him and Elijah Moore, I think this year, they're going to they're going to create magic. They're going to create magic. And they just continue to build over there in New York and put the right pieces around him, the job is going to become so much easier. And I say this all the time, when it comes to young quarterbacks, the better the supporting cast, the easier their job becomes, where the homeless isn't just on them to get the job done. We're starting to get these kind of lofty words, potentially, about Zach Wilson, right? Popping up here. He's not the first. I, um, I guess everybody wants to jump to, to, to be the guy that's right. I mean, right? You eventually you got to get it right. At some point, the Jets have to get it right. So should the opinion be that maybe this is the year, so let's just start putting these lofty expectations so that when it does finally happen, they can say, hey, I told you. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes, really? I mean, I I understand they're painstakingly telling you that it just – now, I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but I see – well – that's that's he's only the best quarterback in football, Peter, or like right there, like that's the expectation. And even all the weapons that they got, can can he be Patrick Mahomes? Do they have do they have chief weapons? Do they have chief coaching? Andy Reid's only one of the best offensive minds we've seen in the last you know quarter century. <laughs> all right, so we don't know yet. We don't know who Salah is yet as a coach. We know we like him as a guy. Don't know who he is as a coach yet. Now, if I'm if I'm if I'm a Jeff fan, I, I pay no mind. Have have whatever expectations you want to have, but if you start listening to to Orlovsky and you know saying that the, you know Patrick Mahomes and and Ocho Cinco, I I see Patrick Mahomes. Stop. All right, just have your expectations. I feel really good about this team coming out of camp. You know, getting to see these players and. I, I get a good feel about this team, Peter, and I think they're going to be better than they've been, whatever that means, because it hasn't been good the last few years. I think they're heading in the right direction, but do, I'm sorry, you don't go from A to Z. I mean, you still got to go A, B, C, D. I'm sorry. It just that's the way it is. And I thought both Sala and Douglas were good to say, hey, you're going to see improvement. That's our expectation. Don't start listening to uh, playoffs. Oh, we're going to win 10 games. Stop. Stop it. I hope you do. Peter and I hope. Oh We'd love God. to see it. I'm tired of talking about awful football every Monday and Friday, talking about other teams because there's nothing to say about the Jets and Giants, okay? Oh, wait, Don, throw this in here so no one gets scared or confused. Michael feels the same way because he will want to talk about that as well. You just said me and you. You know, people will freak out. Say, what no, Michael K. I'm so, living in the moment. Michael's, Michael's going to be there right there with us. Yeah, and believe me, he does not want another year okay. of talking of talking about nothingness when it comes to football. But I am not going to rip what could be great strides from this team this year because they're not living up to the lofty expectations from people that I think that are either just trying to get hits or trying to catch lightning in a bottle and saying, look at I'm the genius who thought they were going to win, that they were going to finish in second place and make the playoffs. And, and when, when Mahomes, when he becomes the next uh, Patrick Mahomes say, Hey, I said it. 
And then when it doesn't happen, oh, I know, I didn't say that. I don't remember saying that. Or oh, I was only, I only said he kind of looked like him. I never said he was him. Believe me, I'm I'm as much for the hot take as anything. But uh, to me, it's completely unrealistic. It's gobbledygook, is what you're to saying. Think, now, could he become a great quarterback? Absolutely. But now, if you think you're going to be Patrick Mahomes in year two when your completion percentage last year was under 56%, I don't care how great the weapons have improved or how much the offensive line has improved. He needs to improve, Peter. When you watched that team last year, was it all a lack of weapons? I saw Mike White go out there and beat Cincinnati. I saw I saw Josh Johnson throw three touchdown passes against Indianapolis. The guy had one foot out the door. So the weapons stunk, but those quarterbacks found a way to get some things done. So let's not make it all about that Zach Wilson was a victim of of, of a bad offensive line and bad um, and, and a lack of weapons. Some of that is true, but a lot of it was he did not have a great rookie season, and he has to be better, and I think he will be better. But how much better? Patrick Mahomes better? Can we pump the brakes? Now, speaking of things that people make a lot out of, I saw a lot of people making a lot out of this statement yesterday from Robert Sala. He should be, in my opinion, he could start in this league. I believe that. Sometimes this league has a tendency to pigeonhole people or put labels on people, and their opportunities kind of get limited. But Joe Flacco is a starting quarterback in this league. He's really, really talented. Now, a lot of people freaked out about that, Don, as if that implies that if, you know, Zach Wilson plays a bad game, uh, Robert Sala's looking at Joe Flacco, and I don't get it. Like, don't you understand? that? uh, To me, all that is... It, it, it serves two purposes. One, a confidence builder for your backup in case he again becomes the guy because we it's football. And one play, he could be your guy. And number two, you want him to be valuable. You want people to, 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 to believe that you have a valuable right. commodity in your backup quarterback. I don't see that. There's no part of me that takes that as he's interested in Flacco. But, it, but isn't that also a confidence boost to Zach? Like, hey, you got a quality backup here. This guy could start in this league. But you're still our guy. Yeah, like, yes, and you could right. tell from Zach when we talked to him on Tuesday, and you could go listen to the podcast now, you could tell Zach loves Flacco, and part of that is because he doesn't feel any threat. Hey. He knows it's his job. I think they made a mistake last year not having a vet in in the room from the start of the season. We all said that, by the way. We all said it, and we brought it up constantly, and I think it, you know it, it was a mistake. They corrected it. They got Flacco. But talking up Flacco as if – you know, he's some sort of threat to this job. As much as I like Joe Flacco, and maybe there are places in the NFL, there are 32 teams where he might be able to start, you're not going anywhere with Joe Flacco. N- not this team. I, I I believe you could – I believe my guess is Joe Flacco as the backup on a really powerful team, right? A team that really could go and has weapons everywhere and a great defense. I think you could plug Joe Flacco in and he could probably be pretty good for you. Well, but I, I, he's not I think, taking them to the next level. Do, do I think that in a, in a competitive season and, and something happened to Zach Wilson that Joe Flacco couldn't go out there and win you an NFL game? Of course he could. Right. But I, I don't think anybody is scrambling to make him their starting quarterback. I mean, come on. Uh, but I, he's talking up his guy, like you said, so that he feels, you know, he feels good about himself and his place there, and also to let Zach know, hey, we got you got a quality backup. So, 
you know, but I, I do not think they have any designs in any world other than just because they're getting killed of saying, all right, uh, there's a quarterback controversy. He might he might start a game because of injury. He might come in relief if Zach is um, is ineffective, but he is in no way a threat to the starting quarterback position of this team. Couple other things to talk about next, uh, and we will get to those things. But this will be it for ENN. It's brought to you by the Professional Fighters League. Back on Friday, August 5th, watch MMA's League live from the Hulu Theater, Madison Square Garden. Buy tickets now at PFLMMA.com. And actually, no, no, uh, Andrew, I know for podcast purposes, let me not officially end ENN because I want to include, Don, we got to hit the Brittany Griner <clears throat> story. We haven't really discussed it all day long, and then we'll go back to the Mets as well. Peter and Don till 7 o'clock on Yes and 98.7 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Well, that's awesome. Looking for more access to the show? That's right, man. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TMKS ESPN. Here's TJ Quinn on first take earlier talking about the fact that Brittany Griner has been sentenced to nine and a half years in a Russian jail. I mean, it's shocking news to a lot of people, and it sounds like a lot. But in Brittany Griner's world, this is what was expected. It's what U.S. officials always expected. It's daunting, to be sure. But in a lot of ways, it's the closing of the first chapter, and it moves her essentially closer to coming home. Russia has made it clear all along that if there is a deal to be done, which would probably be a prisoner swap between her and someone the United States is holding, it wouldn't happen until after her trial. So in a lot of ways, the sentence is considered a formality. Again, it looks pretty bad, but in a lot of ways, it also allows the negotiations to accelerate, possibly even bring her closer to coming home. And that, that's kind of how I took it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when you when I read it, the first time you see the news, it's striking and you're immediately sad for her. And there was a video of her talking in court, which was tough to see, apologizing to her team, her teammate, uh, her teammates, coaching staff, the fans, the people of the city in which she plays in Russia. Hearing all of that was really sad. But the reality is, Don, you knew this was going to happen, especially when you've heard, we've always said that she's a, a political pawn. Everyone knows that. And once you knew that Putin was potentially had the opportunity to use her to his gain, I mean, you were 100% sure the conviction was coming. Absolutely. Um, there was almost no shot that she was going to get away. Um, and be found not guilty. So wh- whatever is going to speed her to come here. Plus, I don't know how it all works. I'm not a diplomat, Peter, but I'm assuming if you're bargaining um, to bring her home, you're going to have to give up um, people that Russia want freed that are under our custody. So the harsher a penalty that Brittany gets, I would think, would make it easier for somebody who has a harsh penalty here to go back to Russia. Right. Nine and a half years is pretty significant. If they had just given her like six months, like are are they going to expect to get somebody of significance back? Because that's what they're looking to do. 
And that's when this can get really ugly, Peter, because whoever they want back is probably a very bad person that doesn't deserve, doesn't deserve to be freed, as opposed to Brittany Griner, who at the, I think um, at, the, at the very most was just being absent-minded. But whoever Russia gets back, Peter, is probably a really bad guy or woman. Well, that's, that's what's out there right now yeah. is a, a, a potential arms dealer, yeah, a murderers. There's, there's some scary stuff out there for who the trade could be for. Um, it, it's a very precarious situation for the U.S. government because if you don't do enough, you look bad and you're not taking care of an American citizen and you're setting a very oh. dangerous precedent for, for Americans traveling abroad. Well, and at the same time, if you escalate too much, Don, you're dealing with a regime that you really don't want to escalate with. Well, what 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 is Russia's end game? Russia's end game is to make us look bad. So how do we look bad by letting Brittany Griner serve her nine and a half years? That makes us look bad, right? What also can make us look bad is we get her home, but a real piece of garbage gets sent to Russia and is now free. That also makes us look bad. So that's what Russia's trying to do: is okay, we'll make a deal with you. Either you make it, either you don't make a deal with us and you look bad internationally, or you do make a deal with us and you look bad internationally. That's that's their end game. That's the motive. So, and it's easy, I think, for anybody who wants to see her come home to say, well, at all costs. But I think you said it best a couple of weeks ago. You don't want to go through World War Three, and you also don't want to send a, an, an awful human being back to be free to do heinous crimes around the world once they are free. Yeah, and and to see the whoever the victims were of those crimes have to deal with the fact that the person's able to be freed. There's a, there's a lot that makes that yeah complicated. And, and I don't, again, I don't think she deserves really anything for what she did. Um, so I hate that whole, well, this is what you get when you decide to do drugs and to go to, go to a foreign country. Okay. Okay. But it's not ignored, though, Peter. Be be careful if you're if you're going internationally, especially to uh, unfriendly places. That you don't want to get caught up and be a political pawn, and you never know what you think is completely innocent and not a big deal, and just absent-mindedness, and then you, then you find out that you're going to be doing some serious time, and unfortunately, may not be someone that can get the the PR where you're going to be as cared about, and people want to see you get freed. You know, so. Um, you have to be careful out there if you travel internationally, especially now. Remember uh, Vernon Maxwell, Matt oh, Max, sure. of the Rockets? He was on the No Chill with Gilbert Arena show on FUBU Sports, and during the interview, he told a story that most had not heard before about a fight in the Houston locker room um, in which he, quote, nearly stabbed the bleep out of Hakeem Olajuwon. And would have done so had the police not come charging in. Holy crap. During halftime of a game in the 90s, Maxwell was upset that he wasn't getting the ball and started shouting, This is some BS, y'all bleepers. Give up that damn rock. Pass that bleep. Elijah won. That's right, Hakeem the Dream, according to Vernon Maxwell came over and slapped the bleep out of him with his, quote, hard-ass hands. Oh, no. That had to hurt. Then the cops came running in before (laughs) anything else happened. Can you imagine? I wonder if, like, we could get this confirmed by, like, Kenny the Jet Smith or Sleepy Floyd. He might have been gone already. Otis Thorpe. I thought I read that a lot more happened. 
Go ahead. Tell that, me more then. I thought all- in the story it said Maxwell then threw a chair at him and shattered a window, and that's where he said he wanted to stab him. He said he wanted to pick up a shard of the glass and stab him. <laughs> I, I think that's what it said in the uh, I'm in sorry. The I, I, that, is a, that is an awesome note that I, that I missed. It's kind of an important part of it. Yeah, well, because you don't know wh- where are you stabbing him. And it's like, oh, no, it wasn't a knife in his bag. It was a right. shard of glass. Just, uh, yeah, because I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to cast aspersions. I don't, you know, let me go, go into my duffel bag and get my knife that I carry to every game with me. No. Yeah. Although, yeah, that, and by the way, having a knife in your bag is not <laughs> 90s NBA. That's like late 70s, early <laughs> yeah, 80s NBA. Right. Yeah, and you were probably using the knife to cut up lines. Right. If you couldn't find exactly. your razor. Or to pop open your beer at <laughs> halftime. You know? Right. A little, a little, not, not to stab teammates. So uh, now it kind of makes sense when he said wanted to stab him because he was obviously in a fit of rage. He just got slapped by maybe the tallest athlete in professional sports at the time. And it probably hurt. So he threw the chair, broke the glass. And I would not be surprised if your first thought is maybe I can pick up one of those shards of glass and stab him in the neck with it. That, I'm sure I, you were not happy. I'm 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 glad that did not happen. Now speaking of drinking beers and doing lines, um, John Daly has made his best effort to join Live Golf. He went on with Piers Morgan, who somehow still has a television show, and revealed that he deeply wants to be a part of Live Golf. "Quote: I begged Greg Norman to let me on the Live Tour. Daly's 56." And he went on to talk about how he thinks Liv is vastly superior to the PGA Tour and PGA Tour champions where he currently plays. Look, I'd rather play with amateurs than the pros sometimes, but we got to get compensated for that. The Liv Tour is giving players that. They play pro-ams. It's a big party. They play for a lot of money, which these guys that are on that tour deserve that money. I think there's a lot of other guys that deserve that money. He then pointed to himself and said, especially this old man. That basically sums up. If you want to understand why Tiger Woods would have no interest in live right. golf, it's because it fits perfectly with John Daly. Um, that will do it for oh. ENN. I have to break. Andrew's yes. yelling at me. Don, whatever you're about to say, we'll hear it next. Plus your yes. phone calls, 1-800-919-3776. Peter and Don till 7 on Yes and 98.7. Thanks for listening to the Michael K. Show podcast. Hear more of Michael, Don, and Peter live weekday afternoon starting at 3 on 98.7 ESPN in New York. The ESPN app, the TuneIn app, or on your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa, play 98.7 ESPN.